Before we come to the opening hymn, we'll sing just the one you're, you're playing there. This is a hymn that we sang in Romania, the new group uh, that I talked about. We haven't got our manager, our manageress yet, but we sang, Sing the Wondrous Love of Jesus. You should know the first verse and the chorus. We'll sing it before we sing the opening hymn. <clears throat> sing stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean.
Let's seek the Lord together at the throne of grace and prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your house tonight, as we sing together this lovely hymn, we want to thank you for the love of God for a fallen world, the love of God to me. We thank you that we can say that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But every believer can testify with the great apostle that he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's how personal it is for all the redeemed people of God. For Lord, you came to us personally. You worked in our hearts effectually. You drew us powerfully to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you enabled us to turn from our sin. We would not have done that by ourselves. You implanted the gift of faith within our hearts to to trust in the Savior. And then there was that defining moment when we we called on the the name of the Lord for salvation. And the Holy Spirit came and brought about the great work of regeneration, brought about life within. Lord, you give us the very life of Christ. You give us eternal life. You changed us. You transformed us. The Bible tells us that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. That happened at the moment of our conversion. And Lord, there was a day when we were walking down the broad road that led us, was leading us to destruction, to hell itself. But when the Lord saved us, he turned us about and he put our feet upon the narrow road that leads to life and heaven. We can say with a hymn writer that we're going by and by to the palace of a king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Help us, Lord, to set our affection upon things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. Jesus told us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. The moth and the rust cannot corrupt that treasure And the thief cannot break through and steal such things. But that treasure is eternal. That treasure is forever. And so help us to labor for Christ. To labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Help us to catch a little bit of that fire that we spoke about this morning. When it comes to the the business of soul winning and evangelism. Help us, Lord, to be involved in this great project, ministry, call it what we may, but it is one bring one, and may we be busy bringing others to Christ. Often we're challenged about, by the four men that brought their friend to Christ. Despite the obstacles in their way, despite the crowd that they could not get through, such was the determination in their heart, to get them to Christ, that they climbed onto the roof, opened the tiling, and led their friend down to the place where Jesus was. And Lord, we want that kind of resolve. We want determination that, that keeps us going despite the objects and 
the obstacles that are in the way. Help us to see the, the preciousness of a soul, the immortality of a soul, to know that beyond the grave there is an eternity into which men will go. And if they go there without Christ, it's destruction, it's hell forevermore. Oh Lord, we pray that we will live with eternity's values in view and that we will engage ourselves in this ministry of reaching out, bringing others to the Savior. Remember all that mourn today. We've been thinking about the Monteith family. We pray for our brother Dave here tonight and his continued sorrow. Pray for the Newell family as well. We've heard about Colin's grandmother dying, passing from this scene of time. Lord, there are those that are mourning today and they need the Lord, his grace, his comfort. Others are sick and laid aside. They need thee too. And for the struggles and the burdens of life that so many carry, and Lord, you know every one of them, we pray that you'll be with your suffering people and give them courage, give them strength, give them overcoming power for the battle. And may they prove the Lord in every situation of life. Bless the meeting now. Let your presence fill this building. Let your voice be heard. Speak to us through the hymn. Speak through your word. Bring sinners to Christ. Save the lost. Don't let any man, woman, or young person leave this meeting tonight without the Savior. And remember those that are joining us tonight on the internet. Bless them too, just where they are. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Our second hymn tonight asks the question, have you any room for Jesus, he who bore your load of sin? As he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? Room for Jesus, king of glory, hasten now, his word obey. Swing the heart's door widely open, bid him enter while you may.
seated. I want to give you a warm word of welcome at this part of the meeting tonight in the Savior's name. Good to see all that are here. And we have the extra congregation, of course, on the internet tonight. And to you, we bid a very warm word of welcome. Also, there will be refreshments served after the meeting, and you're very welcome to stay for that. I want to make just some announcements now. First of all, the Hebron Tots tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock through 12 noon. And we started this last Monday again. Glad to see it up and running. And we had 34 little infants, small children, and about 20 adults. And they're anticipating maybe more coming tomorrow. So of all that came last Monday and the extras that came, there will be a goodly number gathered. And to that end, we probably need a little bit of extra help. Uh, There may be some that normally help or have helped last Monday and they're not able to do it tomorrow morning. If you can help out with that, if you can speak to any office and just let us know that you'll be there in the morning, uh, you can come and help out. Tuesday is Youth Challenge at 7 o'clock. Wednesday, the ladies' meeting at 8 o'clock. Caroline Campbell from Lisburn, the wife of uh, Dr. Nigel Campbell, will be here to speak. And Christine, Moira, and Elaine are the singers. The trio, special trio for Wednesday night. And here's the invitation that we trust that you're sharing, ladies. And well, men, even though you don't go to this meeting, you can share it and tell other ladies about what's happening on Wednesday night and invite them to come. Thursday night, we are having a special evening, a special Ukrainian night. There will be a panel of our Ukrainian friends who have come to be with us. The war broke out just over a year ago on the 24th of February. They have not been here that length of time, but they had started to arrive in April, the mid of April, and they're going to just talk to us a little bit about what that has meant for them, leaving family, leaving home, leaving everything behind, and coming to Northern Ireland in a time of war. And this is just a wee uh, invitation that you can share and let others know what's happening on Thursday night at 8. Youth Fellowship meets at 8 o'clock on Friday night, and Aaron Johnson will be doing the Bible study. This meeting is for you young people, and we're so glad to see many young people gathered on a Friday night. It's also the Presbytery in Oma for the elders of the church. Saturday morning is the open-air meeting in the center of our town at 11, and then the day of the Lord's Day begins with prayer. We're encouraging you to get up, rise early, get out of the house of God, and at 8 o'clock, join us in prayer. Sunday school is 10.30, Bible class at a quarter to 11, worship service 12 noon, and then family night. Um, We're making a special effort to see others brought in under the sound of the word. We have the invitations that you can share, the physical ones, and we want you to put one into the hand of a friend. We want you to choose that very carefully, and we want you to choose it very prayerfully, and pray that God will give you success spiritually with them. When Jacob wrestled with God and his life was changed at the place called Peniel, he was never the same again. Even in a physical sense, he was never the same again because he halted on his thigh or his leg. He had a limp for the rest of his life. 
when the Lord stepped into his life. But the amazing thing is that God made him a prince with God and gave him power. Gave him power with God and power with man. And it's always in that order. And when you and I in the place of prayer get power with God, we will have power of man and we will be able to to witness and invite people to come in. This is the uh, invitation that we are sharing and seeking to get out into the hands of others. Uh, David Johnson is testifying. He was for over 20 years a reserve officer in the Royal Irish Rangers, which is now the Royal Irish Regiment. And he served um, an operation tour in Iraq back in 2004. And I was thinking of the verse as he comes to testify in the Psalm 34 and verse 7, where we find the angel of the Lord encamping round about them that fear him and delivering them. And the Lord preserved him, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his experiences, how the Lord saved him, and how the Lord has kept him these years. Refreshments will be served, and the ladies are asked to help out with that by bringing half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. The physical in-house collections will begin next week just to let you know about that we haven't had it for a few years but we are returning to what it used to be like before COVID days uh, next week just to mention again on behalf of the Reverend McDowell that the Bible tour to Bible lands is happening at the end of September the 25th 26th of September this year it's for 10 nights there has been extra things added to the itinerary going to Athens in Greece, going to Israel, visiting Jerusalem for three days, and going to Egypt also, and Ephesus in Turkey, Athens in Greece, and also adding to that Corinth. So Mr. McDowell says there's two or three places left. If anyone is interested, let us know. Our hymn before we come to read the Word of God and preach the Word is 157. Day of judgment, day of wonders, hark the trumpet's awful sound.
your seats. We'll sing that final verse again. Last Lord's Day, as you know, we were preaching the word in Romania, and at the end of the morning service, having preached the gospel to those that gathered, there was a dear man who came to trust in Christ as his Savior. We had visited his home just a couple of days previous to that. We had stood outside. His wife is a believer, and she's standing there as we shared the word, just weeping, and he's standing in the background, listening intently. And he was out at the service, and at the end of the meeting, one of the leaders of the church, he called men and women to the front who wanted to be saved, needed prayer, and we know there were about five or six people came forward, but that dear man was a sinner coming to Christ. And what a day is going to be for him, for you that know Christ, that have confessed him, you've loved him, you've served him, here below you'll hear the Lord say, Come near, ye blessed, see the kingdom I bestow. Thinking of that pastor who's doing a tremendous work, and not only in the the villages round about, going out into the mountains every Saturday, and we had the, the privilege going out to that remote area last Saturday and meeting with Roma people that live in a very uh, far-off part. It's difficult to get to it with the roads. But he's sharing the gospel. He's going there. He's faithful. Rain, snow, heat, whatever, he goes there to bring the message of Christ. And we just mentioned at the end of our wee video this morning that we would like to help him get a new vehicle to help transport, particularly the children, into the house of God. And... uh, I didn't make much of an appeal, but I was so blessed and encouraged. A dear man has given uh, a gift towards that, and that really encouraged me this morning as we left the house of God. But to those who have confessed or confessed, loved and served the Lord below, let's sing this final verse again. Bibles tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. As you're finding the place, let me remind you of these little invitations. We want you to put it into the hand of others. We preached this morning and one bring one, and if everyone brings one next Sunday night, we'll be brave and full. It doesn't mean you can't bring 10 or 20 people. You can do that if you can get them in. But let's concentrate on getting one in under the sound of the word at every family night this year and pray that God will save a multitude among them. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we'll read the whole chapter, just 10 verses. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, They empty themselves upon the earth. 
And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is in the way of the Spirit, now how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning they sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. And we'll read the opening verse of chapter 12. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. With an open Bible before us, we'll bow in prayer, ask the Lord's help for the time of preaching. Almighty and everlasting God, we take this moment to draw near to your throne, just very simply to commit our way in the Word unto the Lord, to pray for the help and ministry of the Spirit, who is the great teacher, who guides us in the truth. Lord, we know that spiritual truth is spiritually understood, and we cannot comprehend your word and the great truths of the gospel without the Spirit of God ultimately being our supreme teacher. And so we pray that you will take the words of this minister as I preach tonight, and Lord, may they come to the heart with the power of the Holy Ghost, and may the Spirit speak and enlighten and show the sinner the way to Christ. We pray that thou will come in a mighty way, a powerful way now, and speak to every waiting heart, because we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The ninth verse is the text that we want to look at this evening, and I want to speak on the certainty of accountability. And here Solomon says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. I happened to be reading this chapter last Wednesday in my own Bible meditation, and I was greatly challenged by so many verses. 
In fact, that evening at our committee meeting, I read the opening six verses with the members of our committee and passed on a few comments before we came to do the business that was organized for Wednesday night. I drew attention to the, the corn, the bread corn of verse 1. It really is a marvelous verse and a great promise. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And here we have really the, the husbandman, the farmer, and he's going forth with the precious seed. He's casting it into the ground. It seems to be lost for a time, but by and by, after many days, it is seen because the growth begins to come up through the soil. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. It's the guarantee of God. It's the promise that he has given. Indeed, it is the law of the harvest. What you sow, you will reap. And as the farmer goes forth with the seed, he's going to reap the harvest of that seed. And the application, of course, in the gospel is, as we sow the precious seed of God's word, there will also be a harvest. And as we sow, there will be times when it seems to be lost, it seems to be buried, we see nothing for the time, but after many days, we shall find it. And how often we have proved that to be so. I was telling the committee on Wednesday night, about many years ago, when I was visiting in Craigavon Hospital, I was just a student at the time, and my own minister, the Reverend Kenneth Elliott, had asked me to accompany him on some hospital visitation. So we went to, to see the dear lady that he was visiting, but in the bed beside there was a young woman, and while he was talking to his patient, I went to speak to this young woman, had the opportunity to share the gospel with her. Many, many years later, I got a message from the minister in Lurgan to say that that day that young woman sought the Lord and she was saved. I didn't, didn't know, but I found it after many days. And that has been the experience so often in God's work. It's been the experience in this congregation. I think of so many of you that are sitting here and you came, you listened to the word, maybe for years, decades for some, and nothing happened. But after a while, by and by, as the seed was sown, it brought forth a harvest and we found it after many days. It's been my joy and privilege to, to visit Romania over the past 15 years. And one of the families that we came into contact with in Moldovanoa was that large family. You know, the family of 16, 17 children. And many times we sat in their home, shared the gospel. And during lockdown, we heard of the conversion of Serene and his wife, Krina. And then just when we visited last week, another family from Multimanoa that has moved 350 miles to Maxeno, a little village near the, the city of Bezo, we learned that four of them have come in the past number of weeks to trust in the Lord. And that is because Pastor Bebe, a Roma pastor from a Baptist church, was willing to go travel at least an hour there, an hour back, every single Wednesday and to share the gospel with that family. And it was a delight, as you know, and we've said this to our family, to our church here, to know that little 
Florentina and her mother, Trina, and Stefan's brother, Patrick, and his wife have come to trust in Christ. Because when you cast your burden or your, your corn, your seed corn, upon the water, you're going to find it after many days. So I want you to be encouraged. Maybe you've been casting out the seed. Maybe you've been bringing people to church and they've come so often and it seems as if the seed has brought forth nothing. It's lying there, buried. It's unseen. But you see, it's doing a work. It's doing God's work. And God's word will never return to him void. And though we don't see it at the time, we will find it after many days. So keep laboring, keep evangelizing, no matter what the conditions are. And we just mentioned verse 4, which is Albert Macaulay's text, isn't it? He quoted it so often. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. So if there's adverse weather, there would be the tendency and the temptation not to sow, not to do the work, but no matter what the situation is, brethren and sisters, Christians here tonight, we need to keep on getting out the word, getting out the good seed of the gospel, despite what the weather conditions are. And there will come the time of harvest. Why? Because God has given the guarantee. We will find it after many days. You know, churches are in decline. Attendance in many churches that once preached the gospel is dwindling. I visited a home this week by request, went to see a dear lady who, who is battling with disease, and she was telling me that the church that she attends, there's only about 12 or 15 people sitting in it on the Lord's Day. And you know, that's very sad. I'm sure it was a church that preached the gospel, but churches are in decline today. And I'm saying to you, work. God will give the increase. His promises are unfailing, and he will be true to his word if we keep up the work. I was not only greatly encouraged by the opening verses, but I was also greatly struck by the exhortation and the warning to young people especially that we have in our text tonight. Verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Solomon speaks much in this book of Ecclesiastes about vanity. Talks a lot about young people and especially the, the pleasures of youth. We know how difficult this sinful world is for young people, surrounded by temptation and trials and difficulties and lust and sinful pleasure. Satan desires to have our young people, and we need to sit up as men and women of God. We need to sit up and know that. The devil has only one object in view, and that is to destroy the young people of today, to take them away from God, to take them away from Christ, to take them away from church, to take them away from, ultimately, heaven itself. 
Strong temptation will be set in their pathway to destroy their souls forever. Young Moses faced this in Egypt with all the world and sin that surrounded him. We are told that when he was come to years, that means when he was growing up, when he could make decisions for himself, when he was no longer under the authority really of his household there in Egypt, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction. Imagine that. Imagine choosing to suffer. To suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We see these pleasures of sin that tempt our young people and draw them away from God. They're only for a season. They're just for a little time. Young people, tonight in this meeting, you will be bombarded by the pleasures of sin. All around you in this world, Satan will seek to fill your mind and your heart with lust and earthly desire and pride and the glitter of this world, the wealth of this age, the pomp and the popularity of this generation. And every media possible will be used. Television, the internet, social media, magazines, the pubs and the clubs, you name it. And you know, Solomon is saying here, if I can paraphrase his words, go and enjoy these things, if that is the sinful inclination of your heart. But be well assured, you will stand before God one day and you will give an account. That's what the text is teaching. There is a judgment day. There is a day of reckoning. There's a solemn day of accountability. And I want to remind you of such things tonight as we have it here, spelt out very clearly by Solomon in our text. I want you to notice, first of all, that there is a sinful desire for carnality. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Solomon says, Rejoice, O young man. Rejoice in your youth. And the joy that Solomon refers to here is created by sin and pleasure and selfish ambition. This is not the joy that God gives to young people that know him that ought to be experienced by the youth of today who are walking with God. There is a joy that the Bible speaks about that is unspeakable and full of glory, a joy that begins with the knowledge of sins forgiven. Isn't that what the psalmist said in Psalm 32 and verse 1? Blessed, and that word means happy, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. And that is true joy. That's true blessedness. This is where it begins. When a man understands his sin and the terrible consequences of his sin and how offensive his sin is to God 
and the awful eternity to which he is heading and he deserves that eternity, then he can truly comprehend the exceeding and the wonderful bliss in having sins of a lifetime pardoned, forgiven, cleansed away. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. And truly we can say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That unspeakable joy of sins forgiven is then followed by a path of joy in the rest of one's life. There's joy in salvation. There's joy in service, serving the Lord. There's joy in in Scripture, meditation. We think of how Jeremiah spoke about God's words being unto him the joy and the rejoicing of his heart. There is joy in spiritual revival. That certainly happened in Samaria. We have mentioned Samaria already today in the early morning prayer meeting where God did a marvelous work through Philip. Philip went down to Samaria. He preached the gospel to them. We're told that as a result, many trusted the Lord and there was joy in that city. Wonderful joy. The beloved John speaks about your joy being full. The joy referred to, however, by Solomon is not that kind of joy that we find in God. No, the joy that he speaks about is a worldly joy. It's created by worldly things. Notice the language that he uses here. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. This is a young man who lives a merry life of pleasure, making the center of his desire and happiness the foolish things of this world. He lives for the fast life, earth's enjoyments and entertainments, the dances, the clubs, the pubs, the the sinful, sensual appetites of the flesh. He follows the inclinations of his own heart and he hankers after the things which are pleasing in his own eyes. Now, whether those things are pleasing in the eyes of his parents, he couldn't care less, as long as they're pleasing to him. And more importantly, whether those things are pleasing in the sight of Almighty God, his Creator, it's irrelevant. For he just is out for himself to fulfill the desires of the flesh and acquire all that this world has to offer. It may be money. It may be friendships. It may be immorality. It may even be drugs and drink, alcohol. And look around you. Is it not how the vast majority of this world lives? Not just young people, but especially youth. They follow the superstars of the world. This world's music, this world's sport and fashion and fame. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. It's the pride of life that chiefly concerns them. And from morning to night, you may say they dwell on these things. They dream about these things. 
and they desire after them. Solomon, in a backslidden condition, he described this carnal inclination and desire that he had. And we go back to the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, and we want to read these verses from verse 4, because Solomon here is describing everything that he got in this world, everything that he set his eyes on and his heart to. Verse 4, chapter 2, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure or the special treasure of kings and of provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. He said his heart, if you see the words that he uses here, upon houses, vineyards, gardens, orchards, servants, possessions, cattle, silver, gold, peculiar treasure, men and women who could sing and all that he could acquire in the music world. And do you see how he describes this carnal inclination and desire? Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not from my heart. I withheld not my heart from any joy. And so you understand what he's saying here. Everything that I saw, I went after. Everything that was in this old heart of mine, I sought in this life. And I accumulated all these things. And he goes on to speak about it was just vanity. It was just emptiness. Is that you young people tonight? In this meeting? This life is all that matters to you. Your lusting eyes seek to fulfill your desires and ambitions and dreams. The world is your God. This is what you live for. And if the truth be known, you, you rarely think about God and spiritual things. You have no real desire for, for church or the things of God. It's as little of godly things that you can do that fits your description. Where do you go? Or week to week, where do you go? The places that you frequent. Who are you with? Think of the people that you keep company with. 
What things do you enjoy? The pleasures that you engage in. What do you live for day by day? Are you hankering after the world? Do you spend most of your time with the ungodly who, who never have God featuring in their lives? Is it work, entertainment, sensual desire, ambition, sport, television, the internet, social media that occupies your time, the most of your time? Godly things do not feature much in your life, if you were honest. And what Solomon is saying here is this. Young people, go after them. Live for them. Let them dominate your lives. Let them control your desires. Whatever is in your heart, you do it. And whatever your eyes lust after, well then, by all means, you follow it. But, my friends, there's always a but. And I want you to notice it here in the ninth verse because it brings me on to my second point. There's a solemn day of accountability. Young man, go and pursue all these things. Verse 9, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. There's a day approaching faster than you think, more real than you can imagine, more serious and fearful than you've ever thought about. And it's the day of judgment. The very day that we sang about earlier in John Newton's hymn. Day of judgment. Day of wonders. Hark, the trumpet's awful sound, louder than a thousand thunders, shakes the vast creation round. How the summons, how the summons will the sinner's heart confound. See the judge, our nature wearing, clothed in majesty divine. Ye who long for his appearing, then shall say, this God is mine, gracious Savior, only in that day for thine. At his call, the dead awaken. Rise to life from earth and sea, all the powers of nature shaken by his look, prepare to flee. Careless sinner, what will then become of thee? Horrors past imagination will surprise your trembling heart when you hear your condemnation. Hence, accursed wretch, depart thou with Satan and his angels hast thy part. Oh, yes, you practice your carnal desires. You pursue your worldly ambitions. You participate in all the earthly enjoyments that can make you outwardly happy. You pant after the, the nightclubs and the discos and the dance halls and the filthy practices of your sensual soul. But know this, and know it well, God will bring thee into judgment. God will not allow these things to go unpunished. Every one of us will be brought to the judgment bar. You, you might put that day far from your thoughts, but it's going to come sooner or later. 
God will call you to account for every second of every day that you have lived on this earth. And he will bring to light everything, everything in your life. Your sinful pleasures and and practices will be resurrected before you on the great day of judgment, and you will give an account for your carnal joy and your sensual activity. The Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Come with me to that day, to the great white throne of judgment that one day is going to be set up, described so vividly and solemnly by the beloved John as he is brought to see it for himself by way of vision in Revelation 20. Christ, the judge of all the world, is sitting there upon the throne, his dazzling throne of splendor. The sea has given up the dead. Death and hell has delivered up the the dead, and they're all judged, the Bible says. Every man, every man according to his works. Yes, his works. The things that he's done. Yes, my friends, young man, young woman, your works, the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes. All those things that you did on earth, according to the deeds of your body, the carnal affections of your heart, they will be judged by the omnipotent God on that day. And it's good for us to know this, especially young people. For youth is often the time of straying and sinning and lusting and craving after earthly things. And God wants us to consider what Solomon is saying here. Young people, pursue these things. Go after them by all means. But there's coming a day when you'll give an account. You'll stand before God and God will resurrect everything before you. Oh, the Bible speaks about how men can treasure up unto themselves wrath against the day of wrath. All these sins that are building up over your life. All you're doing is treasuring up more wrath onto the day of wrath. But there's something that I want to finish with tonight. And we have it in the opening verse of chapter 12. Here we have a sincere declaration of urgency. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. This is all about young people especially. You rejoice as much as you can in your youth and you hanker after all those things. There's coming a day you'll stand before God and you will be judged for them. But here's the answer. Young people, remember, now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Here's the call of God to young people tonight. You who are pursuing the world, the pleasures of sin, the corrupt desires of your eyes and your heart, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Don't shut God out. It will be to the eternal ruin of your soul. Don't put off those matters that pertain to your soul and your eternal well-being to old age. Coming a time when you'll, you'll not have pleasure anymore in life. Just ask those that are oldest in this meeting. It's okay if you have a, a relatively good sense of health or enjoyment of health and strength. 
But the older you get, the more things go wrong in the body and the less you're able to do of the things that you once did. And I know that as a pastor. And I know the infirmity that old age can bring. And you don't have the same enjoyment of life that you did when you were young and you had your health and vitality and strength to do all these things. So don't put the matter of your soul and salvation off until old age. It's not the opportune time to think about God. And anyhow, you may not even reach old age. God is your creator. He is your maker. He made you, not we ourselves. He gave us life and breath and all things, and therefore we have obligations. We have responsibilities to our God, our maker. And when are you to remember him? In the days of thy youth. And the reason, as I've mentioned, before the evil days come and the years draw nigh when you say, I don't have any pleasure anymore in life. Before sickness and before death comes, before old age creeps on. And God's time is always now. It's always, there's an urgency here, you see. Remember now, thy creator in the days of thy youth. We are not guaranteed the future. No, not one more day are we guaranteed. That's why God urges us to seek the Lord now. Because now is the accepted time. And now is the day of salvation. And if you're a young person that's meeting tonight without the Savior, or you're not walking right with God, the Lord is speaking very, very definitely to you, and he's saying to you, remember now, my creator, as a young person, young woman, young man in this meeting, remember now, and don't keep putting it off until another day that might never come. If there's matters that you need to settle about your soul in eternity, you do it now. If there's a relationship that needs to be attended to between you and your God, do it now. And you put God first. And you make sure that you know him as your personal savior. For Jesus' sake. Let's pray. God has spoken to our hearts tonight. To all of us, whether we're young or old. I believe he's spoken particularly to young people because this passage is all about the youth and warning the youth about going out and enjoying all these things that the world has to offer and reminding there's coming a day of accountability and judgment. And the necessary thing to do is to remember the Lord, which means to be right with him, to have a right relationship with him, to know him, to be saved. That's what it is to remember God, your creator who made you. God has spoken to your heart. Don't turn away. Don't let the moment of opportunity pass by. You seek the Lord while he may be found. You call upon him while he's near. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon the word of God tonight. It's not the words of man, it's your words. We pray that you'll back at home by the power and ministry of the Spirit, that you'll grip lives, that you'll 
bring young people face to face with their creator this evening and their judge. And may they see Christ. May they come to know him. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll so confront them with the gospel tonight that they can't leave without getting right with God. And bless your word not only to those in the house tonight, but those that are listening on the internet. For there may be those who have joined us tonight who know not the Lord. Open their heart to the Savior and bring them also savingly to him. That your name may be glorified, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Out of Christ, without a Savior. Oh, can it, can it be like a ship without a rudder on a wild and stormy sea? Oh, to be without a Savior, with no hope, no refuge, nigh. Can it be, O oh, blessed Savior, one without thee dares to die? Are you daring to die without a Savior? What a foolish thing. May you be saved tonight. May you come to him for Jesus' sake. Let's start the sing. of this verse, O to Christ for refuge flee. He's the answer. He's the one that came to be your Savior, died upon the cross to take away your sin, 
Oh, to Christ, our refuge flee. Heavenly Father, bless your word to every heart. And may there be a fleeing to the Savior, the one who died at the cross of Calvary to take away our sin. May there be men and women and young people who will find him tonight and turn in faith and repentance to him and know their sins forgiven. Dismiss us now in your fear and love. Keep us in the hollow of your hand until we meet again. For Jesus' sake, amen and amen.